air, online and on digital. This is Premier Gospel. Brilliant's Got Talent is one of UK's biggest shows looking to showcase hidden talents in the UK. My guest is an established comedian in some circles and a surprise contestant to those who already know him. But it all changed when he got a standing ovation from the audience and most importantly, winning Simon Cowell's Golden Buzzer Moment. Welcome Kojo. Hello. How are you? Fantastic. Doing really good, thank you very much. This is weird seeing you in person because, you know, we're used to seeing you on TV now. Oh no! Big big no, dude no, 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 and whatnot, no. and it's just not like, been oh, that gosh. long. <laughs> it's not been that long. <laughs> it really hasn't. It really hasn't. But um, I mean, it's been an absolute roller coaster of like what a couple of months now, hasn't it, for yeah, you? Yeah. So like, I know we're gonna talk about Britain's Got Talent because it's a big deal. But you've been doing your thing for a very long time. How many mm. years has it been now? Twenty in November. Twenty years. Twenty years in November. Don't try and do no calculations. <laughs> Trying to work out how old you are. No, but yeah, 20 years, 20 20 years, 20 years in November. Yeah, that's when I decided that I wanted to do comedy. Gosh. All right, we'll talk about how when you decided. Let's talk about your childhood growing up Mm -hmm. because I know you've talked about this a lot, and I know there's going to be a time where you're really going to dive deep into it. Um, Let's talk about your childhood. What was life for Kojo? Um, So, 95% of it was in foster care. So I, I was in foster care from um, five years old. Me and my sister Anita, we both was in foster care. Um, my parents were uh, imprisoned from five, yeah. And um, I won't say what, but that's what happened. And then, um, so we got put into the system, basically. Um, I think what was kind of not so scary was my sister was with me. So okay. it, was, it wasn't like I was by myself kind yeah. of thing. Namara, the third child, she was a baby. So she wasn't really, my, for my grandma, my grandma had her. So, um, so yeah, so I was, I was in foster care from five years old, moved to East London um, with a woman called Sandra, who was uh, my foster carer, who I now call my aunt. And um, yeah, it was, uh, she had her own son, two sons at that time, Jonathan and Leslie, or Leslie and Jonathan, I should say. Um, her husband was there. And um, and there was other foster kids there as well, mm. <clears throat> like Tennyson was there, and I think Brian. Um, so it was kind of like just a fun house, though. It was just a fun house. Like I never ever felt like, where's my mom? Where's my dad? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and um, and I think the beautiful thing about that that pro- that time was, which is very unique, which is I never moved house once. Wow. So I think the average foster child has to go to that house for three weeks, that house for two months, then you kind of get moved around a lot. Especially now, there's, there's, there seem to be more short-term foster parents than mm-hmm. long-term ones. Um, and back then, it was unheard of for somebody to be five years old that stayed until they were 16. Gosh. Like, that's unheard of. Um, but I think from that age, I knew that God had a plan for my life from then because I could have gone into any house you know you, you hear so many horror stories about kids in foster care that um, none of those were f- fortunately none of those were my portion do you know mm. what I mean and um, yeah it, it was a, it was a, a brilliant experience do you keep in touch with your um, foster like brothers and sisters till today you know do you still have a good relationship my aunt just contact? literally messaged me as I came in here <laughs> literally <laughs> literally as I came in here um and yeah, that that's my that's my happy place. I call it my happy place. Mm. I think whenever I'm going through stuff in life or things are going well, even that's who I call to tell first. Yeah, you know, um, that's the woman that I model. I've always modeled my potential wife to be mm. um, because she raised us right. She raised us um, fearlessly at times by herself. Saved me from a lot of situations. And yeah, and just always just gave me an opportunity to just try so many different things as a child. And I think, you know, I did cubs, I did scouts, I did camping, I went to youth clubs, I was playing hockey, tennis, football, everything. Just mm. expressing myself and no one knew I'd be a comedian. <laughs> but but I was always kind of like the person in the family who would love when family came over and then just entertaining everyone, mm. do you know what I mean? Um, so, so yeah, so I, I keep in contact with every single one of them. 
So was it is it Caucasian or was it a black? Black, black. black. So they were, she's, my aunt's Guyanese. Mm. And her husband was from Grenada. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I've kind of got like a Caribbean upbringing. Yeah. So since you, you know, were in foster care, how did then your relationship with your parents then develop? Did you... So we got visits. Yeah. yeah. We'd see them visits. I remember my mum, every time I visit my mum, she would... My mum was like an amazing artist. So she mm. would draw my favourite superheroes. So I remember my bedroom had different posters of like Superman or Batman. And my mum would go in as well. Like, I, didn't, I don't really think I respected her <laughs> pen game back then. Yeah, or ink game. Let's call it ink game. I didn't really respect it. But she was brilliant mm. at, at art. And she'd just draw my favourite superheroes. And then I'd put them all on my wall. And um, so every time I went to see her, I'd look forward to seeing her because I knew that I'd be coming out or something. And then my dad, um, he, he, yeah, he was cool, but he was like, I was close, really, really close with him. Mm. Um, I guess being a man and stuff like that, you know, and um, just feeling protected. Um, was that important to you to have like a close relationship with your dad? Because obviously nowadays there's such a, a thing where there's not enough fathers being mm. in their ch- children's lives and stuff. So was that important for you even at a young age to have a... Yeah, a, I think because, because I never really got it from my foster carer's husband. Mm. I never never got it at all from him. Um, so I, I, when I would go and visit my dad, I would, for the, that, 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 that moment, I would um, just, yeah, just be at the tip of everything that he said kind of thing, you know? So, so yeah, it was, yeah, we had a good relationship. Mm. So, when did you start getting into comedy? Because you've been in this game for 20, mm. nearly 20 years now. Mm. How did you find your way into it? And what did it begin to do for you? I would like to go to two points in my life. The first point in my life is when I was 13 at school. And this is when you're picking your options, remember? Yeah. This is when you're picking your options, yeah? <laughs> Which one do I do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mum, with that... Uh, all I... my friends, all my boys pick PE. Huh? All of them. And then I was like, I'm not doing PE for two hours. <laughs> and I love football, I love sport. But I was doing so much of it that I ain't going to do that. And then I was the only one that done drama. Oh, really? I, I oh, chose so I cho- different. I cho- yeah, I chose drama. Because I loved, I guess, telling stories and I love expressing myself. I didn't... I can answer that now more articulately but but then I just knew that I just liked being I like to express myself mm-hmm. that's so that's the first moment when I think God was directing me yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the second moment was um I got into a football academy and that's all I wanted to be was a footballer and I got into football academy that's spent the whole summer trying to get into and then instead of going to the first game of the season I went carnival <laughs> oh, stop it I went carnival with Did the man. Did you really? I went carnival with the man then. <laughs> and every every hour I was like, yeah, I'll leave in, I'll leave in a minute, I'll leave in a minute. And then when you're like how was about, what house was I? Seventeen? When you're like seventeen and you're chasing girls and you're having a good time and this is your first lease of life where, <laughs> you know, you're you're a young adult. I never ended up at that game. I just stayed there at Carnival. And then and then I paid a heavy, heavy price because my, fo- my football career ended with that decision because no. I, they put me in the reserve team. I wasn't happy. I wasn't enjoying training. I just stopped enjoying football completely. But the beautiful thing about that moment was it was God redirecting me to what I was supposed to be doing. Because sometimes we have dreams for ourselves, but God's got other plans, right? Right. So, right. so I was never going to be a footballer. That's what I believe. Not because I wasn't good enough. I was That, that was just not my, my journey. Yeah. And what that moment taught me was that the next thing that I'm blessed with, I'll never ever let slide again. Mm. And that's why I'm probably such a hard worker now. And maybe I overwork sometimes because I remember letting one dream go. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I was never ever gonna do that again. So it, there was a lesson that I was supposed to learn through that process. Mm. And I learned it and now, you know, but doing comedy. So comedy came into my life when I was about 19. I was in America doing Camp America because I loved working with kids. Oh gosh, Camp America. Oh, I always wanted to do that. Amazing, I was like, I'm go. amazing, amazing. Oh. amazing. Um, <laughs> and I did it twice. And then the second year, we had like weekends off. So I, I went into town. I was in Minnesota. Um, where, and I was in in, a, in town and I, um, I bought this DVD that I saw Martin Lawrence on. 
and I thought it was a movie at first. I thought, oh, he's got his own film now because I remember seeing him in House Party. And I get, I turn, pull it in. So let's let's be honest, it wasn't a DVD, it was a video cassette tape. VHS. Yeah, yeah, we're just a gospel show. Let's stop lying. (laughs) It's VHS. VHS. Yeah. Um, And I put the video in, and uh, Martin Lawrence was on stage telling jokes. And I was like, what's this? Like, I thought I got the wrong thing. But then I still to this day, I haven't laughed as hard in my whole life. And then I fell in love with what he was doing. I still didn't know stand-up comedy, didn't know nothing. I just fell in love with what he was doing. And then halfway through, I stopped seeing him on stage and started seeing myself on stage, making all of these people laugh. So then that was when I was like, that is what I want to do. My gut moved, everything. I felt a moment. Mm. That is what I want to do. 19 years old, came back to London. The Voice newspaper had this little article. Everything was just like... Like, so starting to line up. Yeah, everything was just being lined up. I came back and straight away I saw this little article in the classifieds bit of uh, the Voice newspaper and it said like comedy school for looking for new comedians, blah 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 blah. So I was like, I'm go- that's good. You're on time. <laughs> Thank boy. you. Thank you. You are on time. So I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. So I went in there um, and I, I remember reading that it was run by Rudy Liquid and Rudy Liquid is somebody who I'd seen at the Empire shows back in the day. Mm. So I remember finding him funny. So I was like, oh, if he's there, I'm definitely going. Because I, I absolutely thought he was like one of my favorite comedians in England. And then um, went to the comedy school for like two months. Learned a lot of things like self-awareness and, you know, um, what's the first thing people see when you walk on stage, what do you think that is? And, and the, you know, for somebody who wasn't always confident, those techniques started to make me more aware of myself mm. and look at my good points and um, and not worry about, my bad points kind of thing. Um, and and yeah, and then I started performing and my first show was at Middlesex University. Wow. So you remember the first day you took to the stage? Yeah, because we, we, at the end of the workshop, they had like a showcase that we were supposed to do. Yeah. But one of the other comedians, Latif Lovejoy. Latif, um, me and him kind of was at the same workshop and um, he had he was hosting, he was doing about six months before me. Okay. So then he was like, oh, I'm hosting this university gig, student union, um, AC, remember ACS shows? You remember them ones, right? So he was like, Cole, you should come and perform. And I, I remember, because what I learned at the comedy school was that to repetition, 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 mm. repetition. Like practice, 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 practice. And I was getting frustrated because I was like, man, I know these jokes, but I want to perform now. Do you know what I mean? I want to perform. But then Rudy was like, no, keep going, practice, practice, practice. And it was frustrating me. But then I understood how important practice is. Right. Because when I hit that stage for the very first time, I looked like I'd been doing it for years. Wow. I mean, I only had three jokes. Let's, let's put that out there. <laughs> but those three jokes could have been felt like an hour if it wasn't going on right. Do you know what I mean? Or it felt like three seconds if it was going well. So, so to perform it for the first time, to release what I've been practicing, practicing, I was just ready, do you mm. know what I mean? And I looked like I'd been doing it longer than I actually had been doing it. And then we did the end of the showcase and that went well as well. And then that, that feeling you get from an audience of jokes that you're sharing with them, yeah. when, you, when you get your first laughter, it's addictive. You just get addicted to it. And then that, I was like, this is what I want to do. Wow. wow. So how do you get your material for your jokes? And you know, like what does, what does a joke contain like what is a formula for a I think joke? um admittedly I I was heavily influenced by Def Comedy Jam when I started and oh. then it became then it became imagine this and imagine that and imagine this and then it became what's my opinion on the world you know what's my what's my thoughts on the world and then we now move it into I'm just telling you my stories you know mm-hmm. because no one can people can have similar stories but but they can't have my story right you know and i think it's quite difficult enough to be an original comedian nowadays because a lot of us are going through the same things we've all run for the bus and missed it you know and acted like we weren't running for it anyway <laughs> we've all done that Guilty. so so it's one of them ones like we all share those experiences but it's the details now and now it's the, i'm in a stage of my life where it's about the details so so um every moment I have that's an honest moment, I kind of share it with the audience and, and not not demand laughter back even. You know, there's something beautiful about Dave Chappelle when he performs of just having a conversation, mm. not trying to find the funny, just letting the funny happen. 
Um, and that's kind of where I'm at in my state, in, in, in my life now, where it's like, you know, especially with social media, people kind of get an essence of you beforehand anyway. So when you refer to Roman or Tiffany or whatever, they're not unfamiliar. Do you know what I mean? They kind of have a, some sort it, yeah. of idea of yeah. who you're talking about. So it just brings the joke to life even more. Um, so now it's just, yeah, now it's just sharing my stories, really. Mm. Who are your comedians that you look up to or have looked up to? Comedians who I looked up to was like Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby, and then then your Dave Chappelle's, your Martin Lawrence's, your Chris Rock's, you know, for various different reasons. I love Jamie Foxx as well. I think I think Jamie's got um, um, great impressions. Um, we never think of Jamie Foxx as a comedian though, would you? Because he's more, you see him as an actor, but yeah. not really a... But that's it. But I think I think it's also what you choose to receive from right. from people. You know, some people might not see me as a comedian; they might see me as a presenter, right? Because I've done presenting. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or any, any any anything. You know, you like you do so much sometimes that people take little bits for themselves, kind of right. thing. You know, um, I remember when I first heard of Richard Blackwood. I didn't even knew he was a stand-up comedian. I saw him on them TV Select. Oh gosh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, you know, no, no, you're the guy that lets me pick my songs, mate. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what you do. And then as I got into the game, everyone was like, oh, you're the new Richard Blackwood. I was like, huh? Blackwood? He, he was a comedian. And so again, it's just it's just a generation gap. And then over here, I like admire people like Curtis Walker, Jeannie Asheray, Richard, Lenny, you know, people who have that British story, mm-hmm. people who are, um, you know, who have excelled and, and mm-hmm. grown really. Was it important for you to like get to know some of these uh, British comedians and like really f- bond uh, with them? Because sometimes you can just be doing your own thing and not really acknowledge everybody else, and then it's just like you don't get much, <coughs> you don't get anywhere really. But yeah, I think how important was that? You know, relationship with the UK comedians. I I didn't get in. I didn't get an opportunity to want to meet these people. I just met them. Mm. Because when I came in, the impact that I had, I shook this game up. Like. I really shook up comedy. Everyone was talking about me and then and then I was just getting bookings. I remember the first booking I got, someone gave me fifteen pounds. I was like, You get paid for this? <laughs> I didn't I didn't even know you can get paid for comedy. That was the last <laughs> thing in my mind. I was like, someone gave me money to tell these jokes. Oh, I'm about to write some more <laughs> of these. How much joke is it? How much joke is it for each joke? That's how I was breaking it down. Um I didn't even know you can get paid. It was just an honest honesty of just wanting to make people have fun and laugh really. So when I met I mean, I met, I mean, I met Jeannie Ashray for the first time. She was amazing. I'd gone to see Richard at a taping of the Richard Blackwood show. Yeah. And I met him there for the first time. Um, and I remember Richard saying, yeah, man, I'm hearing a lot about you. Do you know what I mean? I'm hearing a lot about you, like, keep doing your thing. And it's, and, and I was so excited because, like, he was the, you know, he's the man. Do you know what I mean? So, so um, all of those things were really nice. And then, and then you start meeting comedians and then you part of the circuit now you're, you're doing regular shows together so it's more of a brotherhood and a uh, family of, 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 of comedians really that you just respect everybody's funny mm. and do you think now that you're you know as you've grown older and you've, you're evolving do you feel that your jokes have changed and matured as well they're not as because I remember when I used to see you because I, mm. I, I think I saw you at um, in Brixton and I can't, I think you were either opening up for someone or it was the main show. I yeah, still can't yeah, remember the day. Yeah. But then like, it was like seeing you then and and when you used to those comedy club um, yeah, yeah, gigs yeah, as well, yeah. I feel like you've changed like what you say and how you say it mm-hmm. has changed. You think that's because of time and the phase, the and season maturity. of life, the season of your life yeah. that you're in. Yeah, and I think if you allow someone time to grow, they will. If you force it on them, they won't. You know, and I think that's. I think to be fair, I, I'm I matured later than my my audience, and what I mean by that is, up until maybe like three years ago, I was single still. I had no children. Everyone's having kids around me. No one, not everyone can't come out every Sunday anymore. Do you know what I mean? They've got responsibilities, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm available to do whatever. Do you know? And my audience wanted to hear something else. They've, they've grown up, you know, it's like Justin Bieber's fans are grown now. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be talking about kiddie stuff. He's got to mature mm-hmm. um, so that they can, he, they can move with him. I hadn't really matured in my material, my life experiences. It was still this 
young bachelor who's can travel and get around freely because he's got no responsibilities. And I think having no real, real responsibilities other than like bills was was holding me back. Right. Because my audience had grown up, they, some of them are getting married, they're having kids, you know, even my family, like I'm turning up at Christmas one up every year and everyone's bringing their partners, everyone's bringing their kids and all the other stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So for me, it's like, I had to start being uncomfortable mm. with that to do something about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I became uncomfortable, I said, no, no, I've got to get my, I've got to get my act together. I don't want to be the guy that could have had anyone that's got nobody. Right. This is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Like, like now you got to start making some decisions. Like, what do you want for yourself? Do you want to be, yeah, you don't want to be the guy. I know too many of those women used to throw themselves at and not, ain't, not, ain't nothing, no, they ain't got nothing. Yeah. They're by themselves. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was, my, I was afraid of that. Sometimes fear is a good thing. Yeah. Fear will get you back in line. I've always said it, like fear will propel you. If you, if you use it in the right yeah. way, it will propel you. Yeah, and exactly. it will make you like, Sit up, right? I got to do this exactly. And I, I got to a place where I stopped making excuses. I owned a lot of my responsibilities and my decisions. And yeah, so come back to the question. I f I feel like it's organically grown. My mm. audience that I felt, I've, some people that I felt like I'd lost, have come back because my conversation, our conversations are the same again. You know, we're talking about childhood. We're talking about being a parent. We're talking about our upbringing and how that's affected how we parent now. Mm -hmm. You know, and um. And and when I, when I had my son, my friend Jason said to me, children bring blessing. It was such a simple delivery of what he said, but I, I always go back to that now. And when I'm doing interviews now, I always go back to that because the blessings that I'm going through now has, has come since when I was born. Mm. Like facts, absolute facts. Like, so when people look at children sometimes it's like that that's your blessing yeah. you know that's your reason yeah some people like me like i can't move if i don't have a reason i can't move mm. and sometimes you create the wrong reasons but this him being my reason it's just made everything better i remember um yeah so so yeah so it's just yeah it's just been a a good journey but i feel like i've i've, I've caught back up with my audience yeah that's great because it it, show, it it's definitely shown, and I've noticed it because I know that when I used to watch you, um, the language mm -hmm. was was something. Mm -hmm. But now it's just like it's completely clear. Like it's like you don't need it. You don't need to have that yeah. kind of language to be able to deliver think, a great think, joke. It's just yeah. I think you know somebody also said to me, you know, you you got you, you got you can't judge what somebody's putting out when you don't know what they've taken in. Right. You know, we, we often tell rappers, stop swearing and stop pr pr calling women names and all this other stuff. But, but, but you, let's deal with what they've taken in. Mm. They, they can't release something that they've not, they've not got in them. Right. If they've not been loved, if they've not had a good experience, if they've not, you know, been encouraged. Mm. Where do you, <laughs> where, where, where is that in them to be able to put that out, to give it back to the world? Mm. You know, my aunt says to me like, when someone's being negative towards you, that's what they've got in them. They can't give you positivity. We demand positivity from people that have never absorbed it, they've never experienced it, you know? So it's like, they, they, they don't have that in them to give out. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's that simple. Part of my growth is being able to digest more positive things. Yeah. You know, my, my story is very, very dark, if I'm honest. Mm. And I've managed to make it light. I've managed to make it funny. I've managed to still be positive, you know, throughout that whole process. So for me, it's um, I'm in a better place to be yeah. more positive, to be more clean, uh, more family friendly. And you know, you go and you go on a show like Britain's Got Talent, for example. You know, that is family. You know, you can't be using swear words. Well, yeah, exactly. But, but it I like, grew. Never, yeah. yeah, but I grew because I was like. Yeah, look how I've opened up these this, these jokes, and now everyone can laugh. Absolutely, you yeah. Know? So yeah. it's just it's just sometimes just time. Mm. Let's talk about faith and comedy. Mm. How has your relationship with God been? And you know, when did it start for you? And when did you realize? Because I know you said that you know when you were younger, you felt like God had a plan for you, like you know, and start aligning things. That was it. Do you feel like when you were younger, you knew about God? Then had it be, had He been introduced into your life? I or was it now God. more? I Is feared it? God mm. from a young age. I feared God because because I was always conscious of what I was doing. So I was always in line. 
you're a young boy, you might make mistakes here and there, but I was never out of order. I was never bringing police to my family. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, I was never, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was never on that side of things. Mm -hmm. I feared, feared, I feared God. So I, I always had a conscience. Mm -hmm. Do you know what? From a very young age, from maybe as young as seven. And that has always been my guideline. You know, mm -hmm. like when the, you're writing in it and they tell you to stay, stay between the lines. <laughs> that was, that was my guideline. So in terms of like how he's been in my life and of late, you know, what, 2019, so say 2016 to 2018 were the darkest years of my life. Wow. Because I made, um, honestly bad decisions, but it's just felt like every decision was getting worse and worse and worse. And then I found myself around the wrong people who didn't love me. That didn't encourage me. That told me I was doing everything wrong. That told me that I didn't know nothing. And if I told, when I tell people that, you they wouldn't believe someone yeah, like me would be able to be in that dark, that that, that dark space. Mm. Um, a lot of things going on. I had people steal from me. I had people extorting me genuinely. And um, and for me, it was like, what is happening? And then do you know what? This is when I moved to LA. And I moved to LA because I was starting to write some films and I was really passionate about films. And so I left radio and I wanted to get more into the film industry because I was like, I'm not seeing the content that I want to see. Mm. I'm not a moaner. Never going to hear me moan. But, but I always find a solution. Okay. So I, uh, I wrote the weekend movie and then I was trying to just shop it around and get into films. And I moved to LA. And after a week of being in LA, um, no, no, sorry. The first the first weekend, I got there on like a Thursday or something like that. And then my friend was like, oh, yeah, you got to come to church. Mm -hmm. So, okay. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you got to come to this church. It's amazing. So, you know, I seen it, Britain, get up there. I'm in 90 degree heat. <laughs> and I'm there rocking a suit. Yeah, oh, my God. Because, come on, that's how they tell you to go to church, right? You got to be, you got to keep it classy, <laughs> So So, I went to, um, I went to one church. Story. Yeah. I went to one church and I walked in and then it felt like a youth club. I was like, what is everyone wearing? Where's your suit at? What's track suit? No, not that suit. You need to have a suit. Where's your shirt, tie, shoes? And I was the only one that was hot. <laughs> yeah. I was a hot baking. But I walked in and then Pastor Toure had an Adidas tracksuit on while, while he was preaching. I was like, what have you not brought me to? But then Two seconds later, I was like, who cares what he's wearing? Do you know a lot of people don't go to church because it's, it's, it takes long to, too long to get ready? <laughs> the, the whole process of- get to church of, late. Do you know, yeah, or, or get to church late because it's the whole process. Mm. And in the Bible it says, come as you are. Like, come as you are, everyone is welcome. Do you know what I mean? And um, and, in, and in, in this place, like obviously you're in Hollywood, it's one of the biggest churches in Hollywood. And Beyonce is in there, Common, and all these people are just in church, just sitting next to them, like, you're trying to talk to Jesus, and you want to you wanna get all graph at the same time. So, yeah, let me get, let me get a <laughs> selfie real quick. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> right? So, so I'm sitting there, and, um, and Pastor Toure is like my mentor. Like, mm. he's somebody who I speak to very regularly. Mm. And it wasn't that he was saying anything that I hadn't heard before, but his delivery powerful he's no nonsense and sometimes people especially in church don't want to be uncomfortable because being uncomfortable means you got to deal with something and i didn't know that i was a, a broken man until i got to that place wow. because i thought everything was fine i'm in la i'm ready to do this thing whoop -de -whoop -de -whoop. and then he goes some he said he said these words he said some of you will never get to where you're meant to go because you're ungrateful. And that hit me in the chest. And I don't know why it hit me in the chest, because in my head I was like, I'm grateful, I'm happy. And then I looked back and I went home after that service, because I came out there crying. Wow. I came out there in tears, because I felt like he's got a way of talking to everybody, but talking to you. And I, I, I came out there very emotional. And then I looked back and I was like, why did that hurt me? Why did that get to me? And then I looked back at all the blessings that I'd had, it, and I and um, and I never enjoyed any of them. I didn't enjoy my comedy club. I didn't enjoy doing Wild and Out. I didn't enjoy um, 
doing Wembley Arena with Kevin Hart, didn't enjoy a guy in a tour with Dave Chappelle. And when I say I didn't enjoy it, not in the literal sense, in the sense of, once I'd done those things, I was always trying to do the next thing. Mm. Just run into the next thing. Okay, I've done that, next, 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 next. And my, my, my aunt says, you was eating the food, but you weren't tasting the food. And now you got indigestion. Because you're, you're just going like that, chopping, 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 chopping. But you're not saying like, what? You're not enjoying it, you're not yeah. savoring it. Yeah, all the, the seasoning moments. and yeah. all, the, all, your, yeah. all the seasonings of your career and all these beautiful moments. You're just rushing through all of them and not being present. You're not being like present in this moment. You're just rushing to, you know, while I'm on Wild and I'm thinking about this play that I want to do. And I'm like, no, like, be in that moment. Be, just yeah, be. Just be. Right. Just be. Mm-hmm. And because you're not being in those presents, I felt like God just went, okay, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Because you're going to you're going to respect every blessing that you're getting, and if I have to slow things down, that's what I'm gonna do. That's literally what happened. I went to LA for film, television, comedy, all of that. I only stayed in LA because of church. Gosh. And I was nearly gonna go back to New York and just go there because I'd been there before, and that's the mecca of comedy. But God sent me to LA for a reason because I had to hear it how it was delivered. Mm. I had to hear it how it was delivered. And um, and then passed away. I'll go into church every Sunday early. I'll be there early. I'll be at church early. <laughs> I began church early waiting. It was an addiction to this energy that I was getting from him. And I've never really been a follower of the man. I've been a follower of the word. You know, so I was never distracted by by the man, you know, and but but he just kept on me, and I, you know, I, f- I quite like to think that I'm a wise person in the sense of I, I'm not the kind of person that would be in a room and then not know the answer and then leave. Mm-hmm. I'd say no, no, say that again for me, so I can digest. Like I I know a lot of things because I ask questions, you know. I don't act like I know anything. So every week, every Sunday, I'm just going there, going, going there. You know, I'm posting everything that I'm receiving on social media, just even if it encourages someone else, like that's where I was at. I was just so excited about all this stuff. And then I, I went and done my testimony in front of all these people. Um, and I said to them, man, I feel like I've just won the lottery and and I'm doing exactly this, the same thing that I would do if I won the lottery, I'd share it. So me being here feels like I've won the lottery and I'm sharing these messages that I know so many other people need to hear. Mm. Sometimes you can get a blessing and you just keep it to yourself and you're like, you know, that's me. But again, you know, me, you were talking earlier about just this need to just be helpful, just the need to be of service to other people. That I was like, anytime I got any sort of wisdom, I just be like, yo, bam. I'll throw it on my WhatsApp and just send it to everyone. And even if it helps one person, my job's done, you know? And then, you know, he spoke about, you know, some of you are going through dark times, but it's like, but if you keep the faith, and come back to your question, if you keep the faith in the dark room, you, he called it night vision. <laughs> he said, if you can see in a dark room, what can you see when the lights come on? And that little line there was so powerful to me because it was what I needed to get through the next two years that was coming towards me, which was just two years of... Bad energy, negativity, making bad decisions, people extorting me, people telling me that I wasn't worth nothing, me believing it, you know? And then what I'd done is I started to read. Didn't spend as much time on social media. Started to read autobiographies. Mm. And the first book I read was Kevin Hart's book. And um, it's called um, I Couldn't Make This Up. And basically I'm, I'm reading it and it was such a powerful story because it let me know that what I was going through wasn't my ending, it was just a chapter. Wow. Because in his book, he'd been through the same chapter. Mm -hmm. Doubt, failure, wrong decisions, people taking money from him, no opportunities coming anymore, people looking at you as a has-been, like all of this stuff was going on. And then, um, just to rush it a little bit, after reading Kevin's book, 
it really opened my eyes. Like, it was what I needed. It took me out of that dark place. The day I finished the book, the day I finished that book, Tiffany called me and told me she was pregnant. Wow. Tiffany called me and told me she was pregnant. I was, I was kind of homeless for about a year because I came back to, I came back to the UK and I was... So this is all very recent. Like yeah, we're talking in the last, yeah. like within the last five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, I was, I had no, I had no place to stay. I was staying on my friend's couch in Brixton. Gosh. Then I, then I moved back towards East London in my friend's apartment. That went horribly wrong because I had to share with someone else that I wasn't getting along with. Then I moved back into someone else whose place who I just met. Wow. Yeah, like a guy friend who I was working with. And then Tiffany was like, that's it, man. Let's go. Like, I'm moving down to London. Let's get our own place. And that's what she, she kind of just grabbed hold of what was going on with me and just gave me security. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, she just said, no, nah, Cole, this ain't you. Don't let no one talk to you like that. Don't let no one talk to you like that. Get your stuff. I'm moving down to London with you. Let's get a place. Boom. And then... And then, so we got our place and then literally, I was starting to come out of this. I've read Kevin's book, then I read Charlemagne's book. Then I read Tiffany Haddish's book. Then I read Steve Harvey's book. And I'm just suck, soaking up all this wisdom and getting my energy back and I'm starting to smile again and I'm making better decisions and I'm understanding that, you know what? Like, don't be afraid of anyone. Cut these people off. Just cut these people off. Mm. Um, lose all that energy, you know? Expose yourself if you have to. Be embarrassed if you have to. But all of that's going. And then, like, coming out of that whole period, I just, I just, you know, you started seeing me post my missus and Kojo and Tiff and all the other stuff. Gosh. Right? And all of that. It all makes sense now. All of that was me. The little bit of happiness that I was getting, I was just in that moment. It was just me and Tiff. Just in that moment, in that moment, in that moment, just being happy, being in my relationship, making, you know, the most of what we was doing, you know, making cheese on toast. And everyone's like, yo, you don't wait for me. I'm going to go shop, get my bread and my cheese and just doing it again online with people. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, look at me, I'm in a relationship. It was, uh, this is the only happiness that I've got right now. This is the only happiness that I've got right now. So I'm going to share it with everyone and also just be used to just being with one woman and just, just focusing on this relationship and having fun in, in this moment. And then Roman came, you know, and then Roman came and then he's added to the whole, the whole, the whole energy of it. So faith for me was knowing that God hadn't left me, was knowing that it was all going to make sense. I'm going through this. And, and to be honest, it was my turn. It's my turn to go through my nonsense. It was my turn to go through my dark period because never had, I never needed faith before. Mm. Never had to rely on faith. Everything was firing. Everything was boom, 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 boom. There was until. Yeah, until God said, okay, you are not, you're, you're, you know, you're not tasting what I'm giving you. So I'm taking this away and he's going to do it in front of everybody. Gosh. Sometimes it's got to happen in front of everyone for it to drum home. Mm -hmm. And but I still knew, I still knew I just looked at that whole process and I was like, it's just my turn. I've read all these stories. Everyone's had this moment. Mm -hmm. Everyone. And be very afraid if you ain't had that moment. Because <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> you are not escaped in that chapter. Yeah. Because that's when you find out who you are. Yeah. That's when you find out who you are. That's when you find out who loves you. That's when you find out who your friends are. That period, I had so many people drop off. Gosh. But God was releasing them from me because where the next chapter that I was about to go into didn't they, it didn't have them in it didn't they have them in it, it. and it, and maybe I was too stubborn to let them go, you know. But it happens, mm -hmm. and Tiffany became everything to me. She became my, my 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 woman, my my partner, my best friend, and I needed that kind of stillness in my life, you know. Just just have everything taken away from me. Mm -hmm. Have everything taken away from me, and. And like they say, the Bible says, "He who findeth." Yes, yes, find a good thing, man. Yeah, and I've and I've and I've and I've done that, but I've appreciated it, and it's yeah. not, it's not a thing of you know. That's why I celebrate her. People just like people that have known me for years, like God, oh, they never post his girlfriend. Like you mad? Like what's going on here? Like my boys be like, "Whoa, who's this girl?" But they don't know. They don't know. They just see like little things. But I celebrate her because that 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 girl was part of rejuvenating me and mm. pulling me out of a dark place and, yeah. and encouraging me, you know? And um, 
and now we're a team. Yeah. Now we're a team and we go at everything together. We make decisions together as well. You know, we you know, we have arguments like everyone else, you know what I mean? But that's 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 us showing each other love. Do you know what I mean? And um and yeah, so my faith has really, really had is the key ingredient to the comeback. Wow. Woo! That is a testimony and a half, <laughs> and then some as well. All right, let's talk about Britain's Got Talent. Obviously, things are now moving moving forward for you, mm. and then Britain's Got Talent. What made you apply for it? And was it something that you wanted to do, or were you asked to do it? How and why? Okay, so now the show's finished, I can say <laughs> that they approached me. Wow. So I was on, I, I prayed to God at the end of last year, said just like you know i need to strip back i think after reading kevin's book there was a part there's a moment in the book where he just said he said i call it chapter 68 because that's what it was but it was like his reset period sometimes in our life we just got to press the reset button not the off button mm -hmm. we just got to press the reset button mm -hmm. the reset button for me was okay you're doing too much yeah you're doing a lot of nothing what allowed you to get all of these opportunities in the first place. Mm. Comedy. Just go back to that. Take away the film, take away the radio, take away the, all the other stuff. Just get back to performing. Just get back to comedy. And I made, and I said, because comedy had changed. It was on social media now. It was everyone laughing for two minutes and doing sketches. And I was like, that's not me. Mm. That is not my brand of comedy. My comedy is, is a well-prepared meal. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a three not course meal. Up. Yeah, it's not like yeah. microwave it's two not seconds. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. And you can get so caught up in everyone's. You yep. know, that's what's happening now. You got yep. all these comedians doing all that other stuff. But I just said it took a lot for me to not jump into that pool because I was like, that's not me. That's not what Kojo is about. I'm solid. I can't give you my essence in thirty seconds. I can't do that. So, so I I pray to God to give me another opportunity that allows me to still reach young people. Still maintain what I do, and when that moment comes, I'll be ready. And um, I got DM. There was a DM that, that um, Lawrence, some a guy who I now know, and um, part of the Britain's Got Talent team. But I, he didn't tell me. He said, oh, "I really like your stuff. Um, do you mind if I put you forward for a TV show?" So I'm thinking, "Yeah, whatever." Blah blah blah. So then um, he was like, "Mate, I've 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 taken your videos to the team. Um, I, I'm working on Britain's Got Talent." I was like, "Hell." <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I ain't doing no brain. I'm telling you, man. Are you crazy? I ain't doing that show. You nonsense. And I looked at I said, Tim, guess who mentioned me? Brilliant. I'm telling you, if I'm going on there for me to laugh at me, you're mad. She's like, listen, they don't know you, innit? If they're messaging you, whatever your ego's telling you, yeah, they don't know you, innit? So whatever you've done ain't enough. Jeez. You might think you're doing stuff. But whatever you're doing ain't enough because why would they? They ain't gonna hit Richard Blackwood up. Mm, oh, oh, wow, it's true. They ain't gonna hit Lenny Henry up and tell him to come and do this. They don't know you, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, what are you trying to do? What is what's the what's the objective of doing comedy? Is it to just keep doing rooms thirty people, two hundred people, mm. keep performing in front of an audience? You can't impress anymore because they know you're gonna be funny. That's a whole. It's like LeBron James. We can't. He can't even impress anyone because he always scores 50 points a game. He might be ahead of everyone else, but he has to now fly. Ronaldo, you keep scoring 40 goals. We're not, we're not, we're not impressed anymore. You got to do something that like walk on water. So that's how I felt. I felt in a place where I can't even impress the people anymore because everyone knows that, okay, Kojo was on the show, he's funny again or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I've not really been motivated to write material because I'm just like, I just go and do the same old thing. So she, she was like, listen, you have an opportunity to go on the biggest show in, the, in, 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 like in the country and show people what you can do. And you can also show black people that you can make everyone laugh. Come on. Do you know what I mean? And also mm -hmm. people don't even know your story. They don't know nothing about your foster care. They don't know nothing about your parents. This show's about stories and journeys, not always about talent. Mm -hmm. You get to let the people that you think know you really get to know you again. Do you know what I mean? And yep. Like you're gonna let your ego block this blessing. So you better you better say yes to that show. <laughs> and when she put it all in perspective, it made me look at myself as well. If I listen to my community and let them gas me up to think that I've already made it, and I know that I haven't, I'm putting myself in a jail that I've created. 
you regress. Yes. You don't progress. Yes. And I was like, you know what? I know what people are going to think. I know what they're going to say. But if they just listen for two seconds long enough, they will get it straight away. Mm. They will now realise that there's a whole nother level. Yeah. We have this thing in our community where we say something and we stick to it. Right. Knowing we don't believe it anymore. Knowing we changed our mind. But because of a little bit of embarrassment, or I call it the five minutes of awkwardness, we will stick in that, that mentality and just carry it through our life for years. And I wasn't going to do that. Mm. I wasn't going to let these people tell me where I'm at because I know where I'm at. So, and, and all these people that, was, that would have something to say, when was the last time they came to my show? When was the last time they po- reposted something that I'd done? When was the last time that they were putting money? None of them, none of them were. So I was just like, no, I know I'm doing this for Roman. I'm going to go on there for my son, lose my ego, lose my pride and all the other things and be vulnerable. Mm. Just be vulnerable. Have something to lose. Mm. Have something to lose. That's, if, if, if your risk isn't big enough, then you're not challenging yourself. You, I had an opportunity to, for everything to go the wrong way. People go, oh, man, try to go on, but he's got talent. No one laughed. I had the opportunity. I thought black Twitter was waiting for me <laughs> to, to mess up. Like, eh, Ooh, and then waiting. I know people spell check their cussing, <laughs> everything. I was like, these, the, some people probably press send before the show even come out, right? Because I was like, you know, it took a lot for me to do this. It yeah. took a lot for me to do this. But I was like, what was the point of what's just previously happened then? Mm. What was the lessons from what just happened? Where was the faith that you asked God for? Do you know what I mean? Like, where's that moment? And, and, and God, all God said to me was, I know you're not going to do this, but it's me. Ooh. But it's me. I know you're not going to do this. This is the last thing that you want to do. But that's why you got to do this because it's me. I'm all over this and I'm going to show you how it's me. So when I went to do the show and I finally said, yes, I did. And I went through all the process or whatever. Um, and then we, we get to the show now and it's like, I'll get there at like eight in the morning and I'm not on stage until quarter to nine at night. Wow. So I'm hungry, tired, <laughs> overthinking what I'm going to do. Am Anxious, I still going to do that joke? Worried, uh, yeah. All of those things, thinking about what people are going to say when this happens. I stepped on the stage and obviously I knew Alicia. Mm-hmm. From before, from a time of mystique, and um, she was like, she was surprised because she sees me up there as well. Yeah, she sees me up there as well. But I'm like, Leash, I need this. Mm. That was me going on the show saying, I know what you might think, but I'm not gonna let my ego b- block me. Mm. Not gonna let my pride block me. I'm vulnerable right now. Mm. This all I've got is my talent and my family. That's all I have. I don't have nothing else. No one ain't calling my phone. No one ain't emailing me. No one ain't doing all of this stuff. Think about this. I'm still giving out here. I'm still doing Black Magic Awards. I'm still doing all this other stuff for people. I'm putting stuff out, but I'm empty. Yeah. That's what I do when I'm empty. So I just said this, me stepping on that stage is like me being naked in front of the whole country saying, I am vulnerable right now. Mm. This can go any way. If, if, if it had gone horribly wrong, that would have been in front of the whole country. So, but, but no matter what, like even in a hurricane, I will be still. That's one thing about me. I will be so still. And, and I, I went on that stage and I, um, that's the only awkward part was when the judges talk to you because you don't plan for that. You don't know what they're going to ask you. You don't know what they're going to say, blah, blah, blah. And Simon kept making a joke about me knowing Alicia. And then, um, and then literally, I just, you know, when Simon said, take it away, I just didn't think about the judges. I, I just kept it to the audience. That's all I know. I know how to perform in front of the audience. I know, yeah. know I had to be judged afterwards. So I just gave it to the audience. All my eye contact was with the audience. And then when I finished performing and everyone stood up, even though if I'm talking about it now, it's like emotional because when, when they all stood up, hmm. Took your time. It was like a validation. Mm. It was like that risk was that paid off. All them bad days that I went through and stuff, it was like, like I deserved it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then when they stood up and then, and then what actually happened, people don't know is like, they all stood up and then I was just like, this risk could have gone so left. 
so left, but I just took a big risk and then, and then um, all judges were speaking. Now, what, what they didn't show on the show was Simon spoke first. Mm. He was the first to speak. And then he was like, you know, he said what he said and then, and then he pressed the golden buzzer. Wow. And that was God saying, see? Told you. That man, you do all the research you want. Simon don't laugh at nothing. He don't like comedy. He, he, you know, there was two comedians that went on before me. He gave them hell. Like he didn't, he, he was not impressed at all. Mm. Um, and God delivered, that's how God delivers. He delivers in style. So all the stuff I wanted was so smaller than what he had planned for me. And it's like, to just go through that whole doubt in myself. At one point I was like, I'm not going out there. I'm not going to go out there. Me saying I'm not going to go out there. I've been on Wembley Arena stage. This is in front of the whole world. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know it at the, same, at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking this is a small stage. Do what you're doing and that's it. Simon pressed that golden button. Then he gets up out of his VC and comes and gives me like understanding of what it took for me to to come on this show, you know? Alicia, like, she knows what I would have been through, what I would have been thinking to come on this show. Like, I'm the last person you expected. You probably see me out and about thinking that we're, we're, we're peers on the same mm -hmm. level, but I'm being vulnerable like that. I say, look, this isn't, I need, I need help. I need, I need a sign, I need something. Cause I'm being, sometimes I'm being blocked from shows and doing auditions for Live at the Apollo and all these other places. And people are talking about me like I've, like I've maybe he's had his opportunity and things have passed. I've had production meetings where someone comes to me with the idea and go, oh yeah, who do you think we should get to front the show? I'm like, well, I can, I can front the show. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, but um, what about Mo or what about Michael Dapper? And, and I'm like sitting there like, wow, like they're calling me to help someone else. Do you know what I mean? And I was just like, and those, those kind of things sometimes is like, no, like this, you've got to feel like that. Mm. Because you, you you can only only you can bring yourself back. Only you can do that. We are all in control of our next move yeah. and our next blessing. So me being like, wow, is that the climate now? Like people really don't think I can do this anymore. Like genuinely, I felt myself like, wow, like when they say when when people say funny, no one says culture. I think I think me and you spoken before. Like when people come to my profile, before it was to be inspired or to you know to 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 to, to feel some of my energy of positivity yeah. it wasn't to come and find jokes or humor because i was i was never selling that mm. online because i didn't want to do buffoonery i didn't want to do that so that was me trying to protect myself but i know i was protecting myself for this, this moment where i can do what i do anyway and just be in front of the, all of these people that have never heard of me before and to get a standing ovation at the palladium where everyone just stands up and then the judges are giving you all these amazing comments. And then Simon pressing that golden buzzer, like. That was it. It was insane. And it was just like, God saying, there you go. I put you through all of this stuff, through your 20 years, from your childhood, from all of those things that you've done. And you've never wavered. You've never not had faith in me. You've never gone and just made an excuse for doing stuff. Do you know what I mean? You've just taken all of this stuff in not moaned ever when you get cancelled from a show or you get taken off a show or you you know or radio changes and all these other stuff and you've never ever i've never been a moaner never ever ever this is your moment and i'm i've always been skeptical because i find it hard to work with people sometimes because i know how i want things delivered and if it don't get delivered that way mm -hmm. then i feel like what's going on and um I think like just being of service to like other comedians and just seeing them shine and being happy for them genuinely to shine. I think God gave me this moment now and I know it's him and it feels like him and everything is just falling into place so seamlessly. 21 million views around the world. My dad lives in Ghana and it came on the news. There's people in Malaysia. I've never been to no Malaysia. <laughs> messaging me saying please come over here wow all of these people i've got bookings in south um, south america south africa kenya Amazing. canada all these people around the world booking me because i kept the faith do you know what i mean and yeah man like it was just it's been a life-changing thing and i just i just finally finally doing something for me and my family mm -hmm. and, and 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 i don't feel selfish and i don't yeah. feel like you know, there's no one that can say I have not helped. 
Do you know what I mean? And, and I continue to help, you know. So, but for me, I just want to be able to taste the food. Yeah. So what would you say to someone right now who's wavering a little bit in their faith with God and whatnot, and especially they want to do something, but they're not quite sure. What would your what would your word of encouragement or wisdom be for that person right this second who needs it? I say to them, man, mind your business. <laughs> What's for you is none of your business. You just got to be focused on being ready. Mm. Because imagine I went on Brings Got Talent 10 years ago. Ooh. I wouldn't have, I, it wouldn't have fallen into line like this. It would not have been so seamless. It would not have been so organic. People may not have known me enough in my own community to really get behind me mm. the way they had. I had mums and aunties and all these people WhatsApping and sharing and saying, Do you know this boy? And then everyone's like, Who's this African boy doing us proud? That little Jinyami sign on my shirt sent Africa crazy i wasn't even it wasn't even a calculated thing like i wasn't thinking about that it's my friend's brand i just thought let me just wear one of my boys stuff i don't want nothing from top shop you know what i mean represent where you're from yeah your roots. and then and then that had the impact on the first video so i was like okay there was, a, there was another brand called Arenti, and i um and i just randomly met them two days before the show and i was like, i was waiting for this that's what i want Gave me my African outfit that I put on. Beautiful. And I was like, this is what I feel comfortable. I feel myself. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and the, you know, I've got these audience members say, oh, I love your outfit. Where'd you get that? And I'm teaching people and I'm just sharing my culture and, and everyone's just lapping it up. And when the, when the world tells you that we don't understand each other, it's a lie. Mm. It's the biggest lie ever. You've got to be able to be yourself, though. Um, and then I come out to Afrobeats in the final just to take it over and just, you know, like Afrobeat, like, I don't know him. But I was hitting him up and saying, listen, tune in, bruv. It's wow, about to go just down. Like that. So you just, just thought, oh, yeah. I'm just going to do it that way. I love the trend. song. Yeah. I love the song. I want to party. So I'm in the final. I got to the final. My people got me here. Do you know what I mean? People that love me, people that care about me got me to the final. Yeah. Like, let's celebrate. I'm, I've already won. I've already won. I don't need to win 250,000 or perform in front of the royal family. Like, I've won just by keeping the faith and, and just enjoying the process. Again, I can enjoy the process now without mm. thinking, okay, now what? Mm. That, that was my problem before. I was always saying, now what? You know? And, um, and yeah, and, and so for me, anybody who's in that thing of, I don't know, you know, I think I know what I want to do, whatever. I just mind my own business. I just focused on learning as much as I could because the opportunity will come. And be and be more afraid of the opportunity coming and not being ready mm. than the opportunity never coming. Because it will come. You put your you hang around long enough, you're gonna get an opportunity. You get an opportunity by accident. Yeah? But when it comes, be very afraid of not being ready. Be more afraid of not being ready. Now my biggest fear is God knocking my door and that me telling him, give me five minutes. Hey. Mm -mm. That's my mm -mm. biggest fear mm -mm. in life. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Give me five minutes. And as long as I've been on this earth, give me five minutes. What have I been doing? Do you know what I mean? So we focus so much on the to get there. I want to get there. I want to make it. Yeah, that's what people say. But making it is just an outfit. You're going to make it and you're going to want something else. Mm. You're always going to want something else. You're going to throw it with the rest of the accolades that you've got because you're going to want something else. So it's the, it's, it has to be about the journey. It has to be about the process. When you read someone's book, you ain't reading it to see all the highlights because you probably know those. But what got them there? What was the dark days? What were the struggles? All of those things. So for me, it's important that you you just trust yourself and just trust yourself to learn. Just stay busy, learn and get as much experience as you can. Don't look for the paycheck in every experience. Sometimes people don't think it's an opportunity if there's no money involved. Mm. Sometimes you just got to be in the right room and just say, man, I got to work with this cameraman today and I got to, you know, invite to go and work on that festival and this person, you know, helped me, make, let me be assistant stylist on their shoot, you know. Just be in a room, ain't about money. Like, <laughs> like if you want money, go and get a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? and they pay every month on time but if you're passionate about your dream and whatever it is the money will come to you like you cannot be in a creative space and it be about money right because there's jobs out there that pay on time that you ain't never got to be late on no bills if you want to but if you're passionate about something you got to be able to do the work as well yeah. there's a big disease in the moment where people look happy and want to look like they things are happening and look at me and da 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 that's always been like, I would never show something that, I can't do that. Mm. I cannot show something that doesn't exist, for real. 
So even the times when I was quiet, I wasn't putting out comedy because I wasn't in a funny mood. I wasn't in a funny space. When I was, when I felt, when I fell in love and I met my, I let everyone know. You know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in we all show the world what we're proud of. Mm-hmm. We all show the world what we're proud of. We can't wait for people to know. Even when it comes to relationships, there's there's men are way more gas at falling in love than women. We, I'm telling you. Really? Let me tell you something. Wow. Okay. You know why? Because we, we we don't we don't do it regularly. Right. It's not it's, emotion isn't a everyday thing for us. Mm. But when we do it, we do it big. Yeah, whereas you know, I, my my mum my mum often tells me, you know, women are stronger than men because you can get heartbroken to come back. You can get heartbroken to come back. Man can't do that. <laughs> Once it's heartbroken, Boom. that's it. That's it. You might get a lukewarm relationship, <laughs> but that's it. So for me, when we do it, we do it big. Yeah. We want the world to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as there's no such thing as too soon when you're in love. Mm-hmm. No, you want people to meet your family tomorrow. Because you just know mm-hmm. it's the world that tells us it's too soon and the world makes brings all these fear and all that. The, I met Tiffany, the first date we went on, she was my girlfriend. The first date we went on, she was my girlfriend. Because I said, I'm going to spend the rest of my life getting to know you. Wow. I'm not going to get to know you, then make a decision. Do you know what I mean? That, that like, 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 I've got a say in what happens. I have no say in what happens. Mm. Anything can happen, whether it's online or offline. People still break up offline. Right. So so what's the difference? I'm not allowing the world to put any of its fears on my relationship or on me. I'm going to love fearlessly and I'm going to be fearless in everything that I do. And whatever's my portion, my portion. I can't spend the rest of my life trying to be in control of every single thing. Yeah. You're gonna you're not gonna live that way, mm-hmm. you know? So so yeah, man, I think just just keep the faith in what you're doing. Even in bad situations, find one positive. Because blessings don't always seem like blessings straight away. Do you know what I mean? And as humans, we demand an answer immediately. But God ain't giving you an answer immediately. So let, 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 let that soothe you for a little while. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Let, marinate that for a little while. Marinate. And that. Just relax. It's going to be taken care of. You just got to be ready. Yes. Woo! Wow. Pastor Kojo there, ladies and gents. Pastor Kojo. Say, thank you very it. much for that. Um, right. So thank you so much for that because I think it's so important. And you, there were some key things that you said in there. Um, What's next for you? This is, I call this the, the love phase of, of my life. This is the love chapter of my life, you know, because it's like, <clears throat> I have to love everything that I'm doing. Mm. And I'm, 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 before I went on Bridge Got Talent, I found happiness with my family and I was happy, I was content, you know, from a, just from a human being point. Because sometimes you can be successful and not happy. Right. It was important for me to find happiness first. I stopped chasing success. I stopped it. I was have being happy with my 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 my, my fiance, my son, my family. Just giving my family more time. I've not. I spent a lot of years just traveling, 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 not spending time with my family. But every time something bad happens, all of a sudden I'm calling them, mm. and I hated being that kind of person. So I, I spend more time with my aunt. I spend time with my, my my sisters and their nephews, nieces, and all the other stuff. And just being more about family and just respecting family more. Just respecting family more. Um, and when, when this situation comes, like I feel secure, I feel safe. I don't feel like, you know, my god brother who I've grown up with since five is my manager now. Fantastic. Everything about this, you know, I mean him weren't talking for about 10 years. Wow. But everything's aligned. He's a dad, I'm a dad. Fixed. Things change, yeah. yeah. Fixed. Yeah. yeah. You know, we spend so much time sometimes being angry at small stuff because mm. of pride and ego. Fixed. Now you're my manager. Now we're going around the world together. Now we're, deals are coming through and tours and all this other stuff and everything that I've ever dreamed of for my career, I have now. It's coming, it's happening. Mm. So it's just about aligning yourself. And it all comes back to what you said before about when I decided to mature, then everyone else did towards me. Mm. And they, they were, my audience was never the problem. It, it was, was me. You. It was all me and what I was going through and what I was thinking and all of those things. And I, I, I take responsibility for my audience going away mm. and maybe moving on to another comedian or all the other stuff. I let them do that because maybe I wasn't challenging myself. Maybe I wasn't writing anymore. Maybe I wasn't in a space yeah. to be to be happy or maybe, you know, you know, your energy says hello before you do, right? Maybe my energy was bad. 
I can, you can be a nice person and have terrible energy. Yep. You know? So all of those things were just things that I just went through and I was learning, learning, learning. And now I'm just in a happy place. I'm able to receive compliments. I'm able to receive all these blessings. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, that's too much. Because where, where, where you come from, sometimes you can just be like, oh yeah, don't gas me up like that. Cause we're, and, and it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I was born humble. But, 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 but and, you know, Terry Crews says, you know, what is being humble? You're not humble when you go into your car because it's your car. You're not humble when you walk into your house because it's your house. You do it with style. You, do it, you, don't even need to be, you don't even need to see your door to know how to open it. You've had that rhythm every day. So if this is your portion, you know it's yours, claim it. Claim it because you've got to remember where you were. You know, you've got to remember where you were. So... So yeah, man, I'm I'm ex loads of exciting things coming. Loads of exciting things coming. And finally, all the writing that I've done, all the bits and pieces, they're all gonna start rolling out. Okay. But the main thing is I'm about to go on a massive like European tour. Okay. Yeah, it's gonna be early next year the tour. Fantastic. But it's it's magical and it's um just by keeping the faith. Yeah. And taking a risk and taking a chance with myself. Yes. Um everything everything's getting better. Fantastic. Kojo, it's been an absolute pleasure like talking to you, finding everything and just your journey. Um, and it's just evident that God was in mm -hmm. every single, every step of the way. And mm -hmm. just, it was just for you to realize that and to, for him to show you, and I know this is me. Yeah, and, 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 and I just want to say yeah. like an ending, like anybody who's listening to this that doesn't like believe in Christianity or doesn't believe in have faith or any of that, you know, you can be an atheist or whatever. This world will challenge you. Mm. And if you believe you're gonna, you are enough, you're gonna find out the hard way. That's all I can say. You, we are not enough to handle what the world's got. So there has to be something else that yeah. guides us. Yep. So that's, that's what I would say to the, the non-believers. Fantastic, there you go, you heard it. <laughs> so how can people keep in touch with you? Website for future and things that are coming yeah, out, man. social media. Yeah, uh, this is a website that's gonna stay up this time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. I've had a few, um, but it's just simply, actually. It's just, you know what it is? Because, you know, just before Britain's Got Talent, I just had to do kind of rebranding. And then, and then I've never really used my full name before. It's never been Kojo Anim. It's always been official Kojo, Kojo yeah. or just Kojo. So now it's just kojoanim.co.uk. Simple. Simple like that. And everything's on there. Everything's on there. All my dates coming up and social shows, media well. social media. It's Kojo Anim Live on all social media. And um, yeah, man, get involved in my party because we're about to have a good time. Amen. Woo! I'm ready for that party, ready to dance and ready to celebrate you. Thank you. And we'll celebrate you. So thank you so much. No problem, man. Um, for doing this. Uh, we really, really appreciate it as well. On air, online, and on digital, this is Premier Gospel. Music for life.